When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. TF3 on a Monday this week, and things are a little bit different because, well... Um Nico, how are you doing? Uh, it's international break. and you about yourself? Yeah. Uh, in, well, yeah, it's international break. It's good, huh? I mean, yeah. What, people have different opinions. I'm sure we'll talk about it to some extent, but yeah. Why do, you think people, why, why do you think there is such a sort of um, avid rejection of international football? Because I think the generally uh, speaking, I think uh, from someone that consumes a lot of club football, as I'm sure all of us do, uh, you know, club football is generally of a higher level um, just because the, the players get to know each other better. It's like there are more advantages from a logistical perspective to club football. You know, a manager gets to pick the exact pieces to the puzzle that he wants to put together. So generally at the highest level of club football we get to see the highest level of football whereas with international teams sometimes you know the quality of opposition isn't always there they have to play some you know really small country that in reality doesn't actually have much of a shot at competing with some of these great uh other teams and so it's really hit or miss there's not that many good games and even when there are it's it's just the quality of football i think goes down a lot and so that's why i think generally people want to just continue with their their club their club action because it's it's just a little bit more entertaining at this point in time. But do you not think that's the same as sort of saying, well, I don't know, it's, it, you can sort of compare it to the uh, the job market for men and women in that um, we've uh, for a very long time uh, favoured maybe some of the male traits over female traits, but then we go, well, you know, or anyone who's sort of against the uh, the changing in the market might say, well, you know, this this one's a better thing anyway. There's no need to go towards international. Everything seems geared towards league football rather than international. And the only way we're going to get yeah. better international football is by investing something in it, surely. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that to a certain extent. I definitely agree with that when the competitions come around. Like a lot of people talk about how the expansion of the World Cup to 48 teams, while the intentions from FIFA uh, and Gianni Infantino might not necessarily be ones mired in morality or any uh, any other reason besides making more money. Um, I find the argument that people make that, you know, it'll be a, a lesser quality of football not to be the best one because, I mean, you know, your quality of football or, or that statement rather is is largely subjective you can have you know some of the smaller teams or some of the teams that have or are perceived to have less quality still put on a fantastic game you don't need to have germany and italy or england v spain every single game for it to be an entertaining game um 
and so with the, with the tournaments, I, I I am sort of for the expansion of it because I say I want to see as many teams as possible in them. I want to see the smaller countries have a have a better chance of putting themselves on the world stage, and and that opens you know the game up to to different interpretations from different coaches, and we can see some cool things. So to some extent, I agree with that, but at the same time, I can definitely understand why the international break sort of interrupting the club season is. It's frustrating to some people because, like I said, I think the quality of football generally goes goes down. It's sort of interesting, isn't it? Because you know, a lot of people are happy to see a young uh, or a smaller team do well, but um, less happy when they then make it much, much further in the tournament because it means the big dogs that maybe bought the entertainment aren't playing because obviously they've been knocked out or um, have fallen to the wayside too early. Chris, um, one, of the, one of the people who was exciting and maybe at one time considered one of the smaller uh, competitors in there was Wales but they've been bringing through some youth they've been mixing well with their uh, old and their young and it, it, it felt like it was going on a good way until uh, just well Monday night Wales lost 1-0 to Republic of Ireland and that's it they're out of World Cup qualification which maybe seems a little bit harsh uh, but they're out now um, and Republic of Ireland go through to the playoffs yeah, uh, Wales uh, perhaps look like they've been harshly done by when you consider it's one defeat in their entire qualification, but that's mooted by the fact that they drew five games. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do understand your characterization as, as a blending of, of old and, and young. I think Ben Woodburn has played fairly well. He came on tonight for a little cameo and, and looked a lot more dangerous than a lot of his teammates. Um, but I think there was a, a slight over-reliance on Gareth Bale um, yeah, because they did just they did just look very two dimensional. Granted, the Republic of Ireland didn't come with the most expansive game plan in the world, and and I think if you look at their goal, even it was very much a, a counter attack that was actually very well put together with Harry Arter and James McLean. I, I just felt that that Wales they were very naive tonight, watching them. They they really did kind of play into the Republic of Ireland's hands and let them do what Martin O'Neill set them up to do, which was to sit deep, soak up pressure, and then uh, spring out. Because that's the thing. For a large portion of the game, until Croatia take that advantage in the other game, Wales only need a point. So it, it felt to me at times watching them, at least in the first half, as if they were sort of caught in two minds, trying to keep one foot on the ball and one foot on the, the pier. Yeah. Excuse me. And I think... That was the problem. Yeah, I, I did think it was a little bit. Unstra- I think it was a little bit strange. I mean, it's also maybe sort of the characterization of the two sides, because on one side we see you know the superstar of Gareth Bale, on the other side we see the captain of David Myler, who's somewhat in the maybe the, the more football bloggy community come a bit become a bit more of a figure of fun, but maybe is taken more ser- maybe he's taken more seriously by Martin O'Neill because Martin O'Neill doesn't know what YouTube is. Who, who was that, sorry, he said? Uh, Myler. Um, he was very good tonight. He was, he, he was, I mean, look, he, he wasn't sensational on the ball, but his defensive uh, responsibilities were taken care of time and time again. And I think if you're looking at him as a defensive midfielder, then you say, yeah, that's great. How that transfers to a tournament where maybe he's going to have to push things forward, I, I'm sure he would argue that that's where Jeff Hendrick and Harry Arter come in because Arter contributes to the goal with a really smart dummy. Hendrick is, is a bit more of craft, a bit more of guile, so you need that balance. And I, I would say, actually, looking at, at Wales uh, Republic of Ireland tonight, I thought they did have quite good balance. Mm. Um, the defence, Shane Duffy and Kieran Clark, again, 
they're not what the the YouTube community might coin as as modern defenders in inverted commas, but but they did what they needed to do and they were reliable. And I think we saw with the the Euros that the teams like Iceland and and that like can find some success by being quite deep block countering using the assets that they've got in, in wide areas with pace or creativity, if that's wide or central, and catching teams out that overcommit. I, th- I think that's that's the, the discussion that perhaps it needs to be had is, have we reached a stage where we're s- almost snobbish towards that style of play because it's not taking the ball and leading the a game, little. it's waiting for... And, and yet, you look at boxing, you could argue it's it's no different to counter-punching in boxing, which is appreciated because of its timing and pre- precision. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see a point for both sides there. Um, but then it, it does seem like certain sides are better at that and certain sides are. I mean, you know, we also look at the way that Scotland have played in qualifying as well. And then they drew, just the other night, 2-2 with Slovenia. And the Scots are out of the World Cup playoffs. Chris. Yes, I mean, Strachan's blamed genetics, which I just found thoroughly bizarre. Um, and, and you know, to look <clears throat> to look at that Scotland squad, I, I know uh, Burke isn't in fantastic form, but the fact that he's shunted into the under twenty ones doesn't necessarily make sense to me because I would have thought he'd be really good for what they need the senior national team. And actually, even looking at the squad that played against Slovenia and Slovakia, I managed to catch both games, there's some very tidy players in there. You've got Darren Fletcher in midfield, Kieran Tierney at, at fullback, who is played on the right but is a left footer, is a good player. Lee, Griff, Lee Griffiths, I think, for this standard against lesser nations, can be a real handful and, and scored the, the goal against Slovakia, if, if memory serves. So... For me personally, I'm a little bit confused as to what Strachan's trying to do. Personally, if I was head of the, the Scottish FA, I'd, I'd be maybe to look and to, to move him on because as, as good a player as he was, I just don't think it translates. I, I, I get the sense with him it was a little bit more talent that was honed rather than an actual understanding of the game when he was a player, just yeah. from interviews I've heard with him. And, and so... Yeah, I just think Scotland's ready to, to maybe move on a bit. They've got some promising young players. Burke is one, obviously. Uh, Ryan Gold is seemingly making some inroads in Portugal now. So I think the time to transition is, is probably now. Um, I'm not saying that Scotland are a hugely underperforming side, but I don't think they're, they're achieving their potential either. Yeah, certainly is an interesting one there. I mean, then, of course, we see the opposite of that, uh, Nico, and Egypt qualifying um, I mean, look at you know, look at the incredible scenes there as Mohamed Salah gets a, a late penalty to put them one step closer. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an incredible achievement and, and one really that, um, you know, I think a lot of people are surprised that Egypt isn't more involved with World Cup tournaments as of late. And this is the first time that they've qualified in quite a while. Um, so you have to imagine that it's an incredibly proud moment for him. I think uh, he they've already renamed some elementary schools after Mohamed Salah because of the 
the important part that he played in not only that game, obviously converting the penalty at the in the dying moments of the game, but also the the five goals and I think three assists or four assists that he had in, in, in their total qualification. So you know you you hope it's one of those things that they can capitalize on and go into the tournament with a I guess it's too cliche to say, but maybe a little bit of momentum and and be sort of one of the underdogs that can that can really reach for the stars because I think that's it's kind of what the what's beautiful about the World Cup is that you have teams that as much as maybe we don't like the qualification process are there mainly by merit. And so when you have that and when you have some of these great stories, um, you know, you can see some amazing things that are brought to us by the the football. So, you know, it's all a bollock storyline anyway, isn't it? We write whatever the hell we want. Um, Iceland also qualified Chris. What a lovely uh, qualification for them. Uh, lovely to see them at the world cup. Lovely to see their, uh, ha- well, actually, has their trajectory continued in the same way? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, you know, it was a fairly good win tonight. I don't think they were that great um, from what I was reading, but they were, they were still able to, to get a victory. I think the the perception of them as plucky underdogs is, is I think, being rewritten, and rightly so, because actually there's a lot of time, effort, preparation, and precision in this. So... I think we'll see that at the next tournament that yes, they're, they're not um, an international powerhouse by any stretch of the imagination but I don't think they are just 11 guys that stand behind the ball and wait mm. for you to make a mistake I think there's something more growing there and there's been something more developed there so I think the, the stability of qualifying for tournaments will only improve them further because of experience, because of a number of different factors so I think yeah that's, that's only a a good thing in my eyes. Interesting. Very interesting stuff. Uh, where do where did the USA sit, Nico? Uh, let me look that up. It's going to be tricky for them, isn't it, Chris? Because I think so many people have had such high expectations not so long ago. Those have significantly fallen. Yeah, and, and <clears throat> I mean, the, the difficulty... The U.S. have had is that transition from from Klinsman, who I think was almost definitely stayed too long, to Bruce Arena, who after a decent start, you know, kind of had a little bit of a drop himself. And he, I mean, he, you could say the similarities between the two because I don't think either is is much of a detail coach. I don't think either wants to to really get into the weeds and and instruct players on an individual basis as to what they do relative to the ten around them. I thought against Panama. He made a very bold decision, which was wise in, in playing Pulisic as the 10, because I think Pulisic alongside Josie Altidore is not just the best thing for the US, but it's the best thing for Josie. Um, but I think with Panama, they were, it was as good as, you know, as good as the US were, it was Panama being pretty, pretty bad. Yeah, I was going to come on to that um, and, and say that Panama were incredibly uneven playing a 4-4-2 against a diamond formation because it meant that Pulisic had, if he wanted the opportunity to sit deep and pick a pass, or he could make runs through the, the defensive line, which is what he did for his, his opening goal. So there's there's credit that goes there to for Bruce for, for thinking of that and implementing it, but also you have to, to caveat it with the deficiency of Panama. Going to play Trinidad is... Look, Trinidad haven't been great, they, yet they still managed to, to scare Mexico the other night. Um, they took the lead in Azteca before capitulating in the last sort of 15 minutes I think it was where they conceded three um, 
<clears throat> I, I think realistically, if the US has any confidence in getting out of the group and and getting out of anything next summer, they have to believe they can go to Trinidad and win. Um, the 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 kind of responsibility and all that stuff, it's all in their hands. They control their destiny. Um, a win guarantees them. And then even with some other results going different ways, they could still, I think, lose and, and qualify. So the temptation is to be a bit defensive. And, and I personally think probably Bruce will, will look to take less risks um, because I think if he plays that diamond, they'll, they'll be opened up because that's one thing that showed itself the other night was that when you play that diamond, you open Michael Bradley to a lot of defensive work and he's, he's not got the, the legs. I'm not saying that he's old, but he's just not naturally got the legs to cover that much ground to stop that many players. So I, th- I think a slight tweak needs to be made, perhaps to a 4-2-3-1. I think that's maybe a, a better formation that keeps that number 10 role for Pulisic, but gives them that double pivot cover for when Trinidad try and, and break on them. Hmm. It's certainly been weird during this international break to... Look at the difference in form for some of the players. Uh, weirdly, the other day, um, I think it was, who was it who said it? Um, it might have been Martin Keown said um, that uh, Gareth Southgate needs to be the one to coach uh, Jordan Henderson because Henderson's not being coached to do certain things by Klopp. Uh, I think it was sort of there to be a, sound a bit divisive in the media, but I think Martin Keown said it in a much more reasonable way. Any other uh, things from the international break catch your eye? I mean, Italy uh, got the 1-0 win against Albania, um, uh, which I I think makes things in their group a little more interesting, certainly. Uh, Israel lost 1-0 to Spain, which again makes things a lot more interesting in their group, considering those guys are battling it out. Um, There's a lot, basically, there's there's a lot um, of countries who are going to be missing out. But ultimately, Chris, I think the, the, the weird side of this World Cup is going to be um, really not having every one of those big names there. There isn't going to be, there may not be an Argentina by the time that we, by the time you're listening to this. There may not be a, you know, a Portugal, those sort of teams. Yeah, I mean, Argentina, the, the, the big name at the top of that list, I think. Um, and, and I watched them against Peru the other night and, you know, it wasn't for one of trying um, that they didn't score. They they just seem so nervous um, in the final third. And at the same time, you know, watching um, San Paoli, <clears throat> I don't understand why, okay, I get that Icardi maybe wasn't uh, as fit or as sharp as he could have been, but the fact that San, San Paoli leaves Icardi on the bench, Dybala on the bench, and opts to start with, with Benedetto up front, who just, to me, at least, looked like the occasion got to him. Um, it, it's quite a bizarre set of decisions. And even in the game, swapping, uh, he swaps Benega for Gago, which is, is like an almost identical swap in terms of uh, style of play. And then Gago, I think, does his, his knee ligaments or something like that, tears his ACL within seconds of coming on and playing. And you think, well, I mean, in some ways that's kind of, uh, it's a harsh lesson, but at the same time, it's it's kind of what you deserve for making such a daft substitution because then he has to put Enzo Perez on and he can't add anyone to the attack because that's his third substitution. I, if they do make it, <clears throat> I don't think they go anywhere near as far as they did last time, um, even with Messi. And and really? that's where part of me, yeah, with, with Sampali in charge here, just, just because I, th- I think him as a person, he's too... 
he's too unstable for that position and I think as a team mentally right now they look far too in their own heads a lot of them I would say Messi aside Messi gets a lot of criticism I understand that he's the world's best etc etc but I thought he did everything but score the other night he created chances he did everything yeah I thought he was phenomenal yeah I thought he was I thought he was phenomenal the other night I thought it was it's really unlucky that they. I thought rewatching the game, I thought they could have won, you know, five nil. They had a lot of chances, and maybe you're right in saying that uh, Benedetto, you know, the occasion got to him. But I think it, it's, um, it's weird talking about Sampaoli in that way because I admire him so much and the things that he did at Sevilla, uh, and this is really like the culmination of his career to some extent, or at least that's how he viewed it um, in, in some previous interviews, because he's been wanting to work with Messi for so long. Him getting the Argentina job was like the perfect uh, way for him to, to leave Sevilla. Obviously they didn't, he didn't go out on the best terms, obviously uh, crashing out of the champions league against Leicester. Um, But for him to, to sort of, because I I often kind of, liken coaches to chefs. I mean, it's like, it's like he, he's a really good chef and he works in some, you know, not so great restaurants. And then he finally gets to the, to a really nice restaurant that can afford all the ingredients that he wants to have. And he's put in this difficult situation that maybe to some extent he's, he's added to by, by having Argentina in this difficult position in qualifying. But it's a little sad because, you know, this was such a big moment for him. If they don't qualify, then you imagine, you know, Messi's kind of getting on his career four years down the road. You know, he'll be 34 or 33, however old he'll be. And it's it's not going to be the same. So this is really the chance for him and a, and a really big moment in his managerial career as, as well as Messi's player career to do something big. And I, I honestly thought it was going to go way differently. I think if they qualify, they'll, they'll do – they'll – I think they'll they'll shape up by the time they get to Russia um, and do really well. And that's honestly what I'm hoping for, because I really like the style of football that he's uh, had at both Sevilla and, and Argentina, minus the results. So Minus uh, the results, yeah. but also then there's a lot of criticism for him, isn't there? There, is a yeah, lot of, there does seem to be a lot of criticism. If you don't buy into the philosophy, then people seem to be able to pick holes. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, with Sampaoli, that, that's certainly true. And certainly with Messi in Argentina, which is an extremely weird thing to hear, I think, from from people that mainly consume European football. He gets a ton of criticism from people um, in his home nation because they feel, you know, he's been to four finals with Argentina and they feel like they, they should have at least won one of those. And he actually has been to one final and one with Argentina, but it was in the uh, in the the Olympics. And so, I mean, as far as football and trophies go on an international level, I don't think people cared about that as much. And so this, this uh, identity that Argentina has created for themselves, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess created for themselves to some extent um, that they're serial chokers in finals, I think is one that is really difficult for someone like Messi to, to live with because Every time I see him play for Argentina, I think he does everything that he possibly can to to make the difference. And oftentimes, you know, he he does in some way. Um, but I, I just happen to believe that that it's it's kind of you know bad luck that is that has plagued his team or himself um, in a lot of these finals. And it's really sad to see because, in my opinion, you know, he's by far and away the greatest player of all time. And for him to maybe retire without ever achieving any sort of international glory with his home nation is something that's gonna. I think haunt him as a person. Interesting. Um, yeah, and certainly, well, maybe even uh, vindicate or justify certain people um, in the short term, at least. Um, Chris, of course, uh, there, there's been lots of other news during the international break. A lot of people talking about the Ballon d'Or. Big news 
Ballon d'Or wise, I guess. Um, seen the list? Uh, I haven't. I've seen some of the names. Well, it's, they're all it's you might expect. What? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, they're all humans. Um, what about what about you, uh, Nico? Have you seen the list? I mean, there's seven nominees in there from Real Madrid. There's three from Barcelona. Uh, that's only one there's, more. There's uh, two I, from Liverpool. There are two from Liverpool, and you know what? I I can justify both of those entrants. Although you think so? Will you really say they're in the top thirty players in Europe? This year? I my my main beef with this with this list because as I understand it, it's in the second year of its new format, which is it's not done by FIFA or UEFA anymore. It's done by. Uh, French football magazine. Um, and I just, why aren't there more defenders? It's, it seems like they're throwing them in as like a, yeah, we have to put them in there, but there are plenty of great defenders that I think, I think oftentimes we just think of these awards as purely like offensive awards, like who made the biggest difference in our minds. And we don't appreciate what defenders do or maybe what players who influence the other side of the ball more often than not do and it's just they kind of throw some of the more attacking defenders on here as like a as like a gimme in some sense like the only really defensive player on here is Matomos and maybe Angola Conte but even then you know he, he does contribute a lot to how Chelsea progressed the ball so I would like to see like more pure defenders on the list I guess but I, I I'm not disappointed and I think to, to speak to your point about the Liverpool players I think it speaks to, to how well uh, Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool have done to to maybe accentuate their best qualities as players and I, I certainly think they deserve to be there as long uh, as well as you know some of the guys some of the other guys um, in England like like Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Harry Kane I think they they all you know deserve a place in, in that short list so. I guess Sadio Mane is sort of building towards that sort of status isn't he Chris I would say so. I, th- I think, I mean, there's an element of consistency needed, but yeah, I think I think it's not egregious to put him in that category, even if it's not as a winner or a top three finish. Mm, it's an interesting one. Uh, I mean, he's certainly building towards African Player of the Year. There are obviously. What about Benucci, though? I mean, surely Benucci's maybe one of the. Uh, but he's 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 like like I said, it's Marcelo. Uh, so Marcelo's on there. Bonucci, like you said, is on there as well. And he's like an offensive defender. I think part of what made him so great under both Conte and Allegri is that that 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 Juventus system was based around his ability to progress the ball and and the things that he can do from a passing perspective, you know, using him as like this, this guy that can distribute the ball so, so well across the pitch and transitioning that it's it's almost an offensive entity and that's part of what we've seen uh, from his move to, to Milan is that you know him playing him in a back four maybe as a more traditional defender I'm not going to say he's a bad defender by any stretch of the imagination but I think in more typical back four kind of situations he's not as good and and that isn't to speak to his quality he's a, he's a great defender but I think like we like I talk about a lot I think the system has a lot to do with how good a player can look and Benucci is one of those guys I mean, it's not really the same prize to win anymore, is it, Chris? That's, I guess, part of what a lot of people will be discussing. It's not got, it doesn't carry that same, um, the same gravitas that it once had. No, and I think, I do think maybe that stemmed from when Iniesta didn't win it. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. I thought it stemmed from the fact that all of the top guys in the company were taken out. But, I mean, you know, sure. Wait, are we talking about the Ballon d'Or here? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that or the the, I think Manuel Neuer had a good case to be in the top three a few years ago and and was excluded. And I think when 
a competition like that starts to feel closed off, then it's it's ultimately going to lose its not its relevancy per se, but its prestige a little bit. Is this, ne- is, is this Neymar's year potentially, or are we still talking Ronaldo at this point? I think the fact that Ronaldo won the, the Champions League is, is a huge uh, influence or deciding factor in that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's hard to look past Ronaldo because he has the trophies to back it up and, and often those things make for an easy uh, narrative, if you will, when you're, you're trying to find a, a, a winner. This is sort of the first year, though, isn't it, Nico, where we're seeing the, the chasing pack of players who are wanting to be up there for the very top names beginning to look as impressive as uh, you know a Ronaldo or a Messi in terms of um, consistency at least you know we're seeing some players putting together great performances week after week not obviously no one quite of that level of Ronaldo or Messi but they're you know we're beginning to speak about them in the same breath to some extent yeah I think so I think the uh, because Ronaldo and Messi's sort of astronomical goal and assist numbers have sort of cooled down over the past year and a half. Um, we're starting to see, like you said, the catching pack sort of look a little bit better in terms of the comparison. I think in years past we saw, it, you know, it was either going to one of those two and that was really the only choice. The the rest of it and the nominations and the, and the inclusions in sort of the 30-man shortlist was more of an honor that they had already received just by being there. Um, and the competition was mainly between those two. So, yeah, I would say, you know, it's sort of getting closer and maybe it's transitioning towards this newer generation, obviously with Messi being over 30, with Ronaldo being over 30. The time for these guys to win these awards is maybe coming to an end over the next one or two years. Um, and yeah, I mean, it could be Neymar's year. I think it's, it's obviously the, the voting is coming to a close as to who gets the award now. So like Chris said, the trophies have a lot to do with it and I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that's how the, the, the people who decide who get it uh, generally, but you know, I, I think, it wouldn't necessarily be out of place to suggest someone like Tony Cruz is entirely deserving of the same award because he, he, I mean, he never has the possibility to score as many goals as Messi or Ronaldo does, but he was as influential, if not more so, yeah, uh, in, in Real Madrid's dominance. So, you know, yeah. he's on there. It's, well, he is quite literally on the list. Um, there is a, there's probably going to be other news during that. I mean, obviously England um, qualified for the World Cup, but no one really cares. Um, they'll go, they'll get very close. They'll talk about, you know, having lines on the shirt, and then they'll, uh, we'll all move on. Um, is there anything else from the international break that particularly caught your guys' eyes? I mean, you... Should, you we, should we say who's going to, who we think's going to win it, each of us? Yeah, one, right, two, ready? One, two, three, Germany. No, I meant, I meant the Ballon d'Or. Right, okay. Yes, go Germany. ahead. Germany. Germany for the Ballon d'Or. Um, I mean, certainly Germany have performed very impressively recently. Is it uh, beyond the bounds of... Um, you know, reasonableness to say that we'll see a German win it sometime soon? Yeah, probably. Um, the, it, go, go ahead, Nico. Who do you think is going to win? I think... I Honestly, think because it, you suggested I, it, I thought you'd have had a name already, but fair no, enough. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> I think uh, with it being sort of this France football uh, restructuring, I guess, of how they give out the award and who who's deeming... Uh, the person worthy, and given the fact that Neymar is now in league, uh, I probably say it goes to Neymar. This is his first year of many to win. Surely, there. if it does, then we can all call bullshit, Chris. I think Ronaldo will win it. 
I think uh, the reason Ronaldo will win it is because Ronaldo uh, isn't from Barcelona. Uh, and I think if if Neymar can't win it, they rather Messi did. Although Messi hasn't, you, I mean, and I understand he's had a, he had a great year. There wasn't uh, in terms of he set up a lot of things, but he, like it's really end product, I guess, is what Kristen's sort of saying. But, and I would say the thing about Messi and the thing about these guys is that when they have a year like less less so of the year that they had before, a lesser year than the one that they had before. It looks bad, even though their lesser numbers may still equate to over 50 goals or over and, and I, know, a certain amount of And I get that. Just I, guess, I guess it's also then, you could make the opposite argument that and say, well, you know, um, Neymar isn't actually getting that much end product currently in PSG. I mean, he's got like a team he probably enjoys playing with to some extent. Um, but is there an end product to it of trophies? I guess, so what you're asking is what's more important, performance or trophies? Well, I'm not even saying, I'm saying to maybe trophies validate performances sometimes. And maybe if the performance doesn't win a trophy for the very top guys, that could taint it somewhat or could definitely make it more difficult to make a compelling argument for them. Yeah, definitely. But I think hopefully the people deciding will be well aware of the fact that it's not an individualistic sport. And although, yes, someone generally, a lot of these players do change the very results and, and influence greatly how their teams perform, I think it should still be down to, you know, if you win no trophies, you have as much of a chance as I anyone guess, else. I guess what I would against. say, I guess what I would say is then if that was the case, then people like Dries Mertens would be, uh, spoken about in the same breath and that's clearly not the case and that's why we all sort of go along with this as well because we very rarely dig into it in any well great depth anyway um so I, I i'm gonna put i'm gonna say i think ronaldo who would i like to see win it that's right sorry about that's right, Sadio Mane. Uh, well, obviously, Xabi Alonso, but uh, Sadio Mane, uh, second, definitely. Uh, let's go back. We asked you guys for some fantastic questions, and we will do this as a Q&A pod predominantly. Um, Chris uh, Ryan Bailey asks, why do dogs hate you blowing in their faces? Um, and he means with his, with your breath, um, but stick their heads out the car out of car windows. Uh, it's because... When a dog sticks its head out of a car window, <clears throat> um, it's able to smell a lot more things because um, obviously you're passing through a large area theoretically in a car. So it's it's um, a stimulating sensation for. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Blue Warriors just blowing in their faces, doing nothing for them. 
Yeah, I wish we could maybe stop talking about blowing in their face, but yeah. Um, and you know what? That's a great answer, and I have no doubt that you actually went away and researched that. Lawrence just interviewed Alan Shearer, but who is the best favourite player you guys interviewed slash talked to? Um, Chris, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, the interview I've probably enjoyed most is Never Mike Brown and Benny Harbour. Ah, um, those are the two that I've enjoyed most. The, the if if they're talking from like a Geordie meets his hero with Shearer in, in relation to that, the one that I was a little bit uh, Sasha probably Ian Wright. Really? Yeah. You, why? Why am I? Why were you so starstruck with him? I think I think a lot of people are starstruck with him, right? But why? Um, because to to be very candid, um, obviously I grew up watching him in the Premier League and Match of the Day and all that stuff. And I'll be very honest: the first few times I ever met him, I didn't really think he liked me um, because he was almost a little bit standoffish. I felt. Um, but when we actually sat down to talk and we had like a proper conversation and he was asking me about things and, and stuff like that, then I was kind of like, yeah. you know, that's a surreal moment. Um, so, yeah, that's that's probably that. I mean, personally, if I was to have that Shearer moment um, that Brian's been so lucky to have, it would probably be with Rafa Benitez at this point, just because I think um, I like his personality more than anything. But And he's a more prolific goal scorer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe if managers took credit for the goals that their strikers scored, maybe. Um, yeah, you're right. And maybe just in terms of sheer interest and what you also do, you also maybe sort of your judgment of an interview is partly to do with what you think you're going to get. And I think with Shearer, when we originally stepped in through and we weren't really sure on how far we were going to get with an interview because not because he's a boring person, which I think a lot of people mischaracterize him as, but because he's a very private man. And that was something I really respected, mm. but it definitely made it more difficult to um, interview him because I actually felt a lot of respect for the privacy he wanted. Um, Nico, best person you've spoken to or interviewed? Uh, I th- would say the, the person that I've spoken to that has the most, uh, I guess, recognition amongst the people that would be listening would be Mark Hughes. Uh, I got to be in a mixed zone with him when they came and played Orlando city and I was doing some stuff for an Orlando city website. Um, but you know, I didn't enjoy that all that much. Uh, and then I guess the person that I would really want to sit down with and talk to would be, I think the obvious answer is is Pep Guardiola, like a really uh, good, good bottle of wine and and Pep Guardiola. That'd be nice. It makes a, you paint a very compelling image. Um, I would say Mark Van Bommel was the nicest one I've met. And um, who would I like? Xabi Alonso. Um, Ideal replacements for Ozil and Sanchez when they leave at the end of the season. Anyone? You want to nominate anyone? I mean, surely... Uh, Probably ne- say... Dries Mertens is an exciting one, maybe, Nico? Yeah, but he's he's like 31 already, and then he'd be like 32, 33 when he gets, when he gets Arsenal in the summer mm-hmm. if he did. I guess we can, so. we can always... Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's not the most... It's not, I mean, you know, we have seen a few aging stars in there, but he's hardly a long-term replacement. I see your point. Yeah, I think... Probably to the to the more creative side of that question or the the creative end of that, I think Thomas Lamar would fit in really well at Arsenal. Um, and I, 
Sanchez is a difficult one to replace in terms of how much he creates by himself. Uh, but I would probably say, I mean, a lot of people are talking about Leon Goretzka as like a really talented young player that could do things in the Premier League. So maybe Thomas Lamar and Leon Goretzka. Mm. It's a, it's a lovely combo. Um, FSG have now been at Liverpool seven years. Feels like they haven't addressed the fans in about five though. What do you think about mute owners? Um, FSG certainly are an interesting uh, investing group. Apparently the same people who are interested in uh, Newcastle are also now interested in Liverpool, um, faced or fronted um, by a number of different people uh, who have been seen at a number of different grounds. Uh, I think it definitely annoys the people who are um, close, much, much closer to the club. But I actually think there can also be statements made in what you do off the pitch. You know, we've seen a stand upgraded um, in Liverpool. We've seen um, a lot of people doing good in other ways on and off the pitch. We'll see. Let's put it that way. Uh, Nico, although I am cynical of a lot of what they do uh, and, uh, you know, that doesn't mean they're perfect by any means, but uh, I also think some people can be maybe ungrateful for having at least more stable owners than some people have. Uh, Nico, you've got to go. I do. It's been great. See you again. I think you guys will close it out well. Uh, Thanks. See you later. Have a a good date. Uh, Um, Well, you guys might actually be hung up on because I made the call if I hang up. So uh, try it and we'll see what happens. All right. See ya. It's all fine. Um, there's some more interesting questions. Uh, Chris, thoughts on Real Madrid's inefficiency in set pieces this season. Does ZZ need to revisit this area? Uh, is that I one you actually no, feel compelled to answer or are you bored by that gen- genuinely got no opinion on that sorry yeah. I'd, l- I'd love to give you some insight but yeah no. uh, there's no insight by, but... by all means give me give, whoever, whoever asked the question by all means uh, tweet us your opinion or DM us your opinion I'd be curious to read it if Sanchez goes to City and Ozil goes to Arsenal which Manchester club is getting the better deal good question packed mouse if Sanchez goes to City and, and Arsenal goes to Man United, ah, uh, you know this probably Sanchez to City because Ozil and I, and I only say this because Ozil to Man United gives them something they've already kind of got, which is creators. They've got Mkhitaryan in there who plays that number ten role, can drive with it, can create. So in theory, you're just getting a better version of Mkhitaryan if if that's the way you want to look at it. Whereas I don't think City have anyone like Sanchez right now. So they're getting a completely new tool to, to, to add to their kind of arsenal. So, yeah, I think uh, if, it, if, if that's the way you're looking at it, yeah, but Sanchez is the better one. It really would be ironic if when either of them uh, signed the player, the manager used it and said, we've added a new tool to our arsenal, if you'll forgive the pun. <laughs> um, then, who else? Was, uh, there was a really good one. Have I just missed it? Have I just gone past it? Um, here we go. Uh, who would be a better number nine to complete in inverted commas Spain? Says uh, Tapua Musa, uh, Harry Kane, or uh, Lewandowski? In my opinion, it would be Lever. Uh, but curious to hear your take, Kristen. Um. 
think probably Harry Kane, just because I think if you look at him, the fact he wears the number 10 is a subtle nod to what he has in his skill set, which is an ability to play deeper and, and be as much of a facilitator as a finisher. And I think that works probably better for, for Spain because when they've had that pure like number nine type like Costa hasn't always worked for them because he's wanted to to do something different to what the midfield wants to do yeah I agree um yeah that's a really good uh, point uh although I would also be interested to see which coach they mix in with and it depends on the coach you mix with obviously um Drew tweets the scenes after Egypt qualified for the World Cup in the 95th minute um and the penalty after a 28 year absence I mean, Chris, it, I know a lot of people have been uh, tweeting their cliches about, oh, isn't this amazing? But um, there really were incredible scenes in Egypt after they qualified. And I think there's a lot of consideration there about everything that's been going on politically as well as on the pitch in recent years. And maybe celebrating a positive of being a you know, part of this tournament is, you know, uh, not only politically are they able to do that, but also socially, uh, you know, they're, they're free to do that too. Well, they've just been so dominant in African football. Uh, in terms of the continent, they've been the, the the leaders often and and the most successful teams. So the, their constant omission from the World Cup, due to performance, I must must add, it has always been as much of a surprise as a disappointment. So I think to see them um, finally qualify. And then, yeah, to do it in that circumstances, that's always going to be fantastic because mm. it's it's that emotional moment that we we all kind of yearn for, that last-minute goal. I'm sure everyone listening to this has a last-minute goal that they go to when when you just say that phrase. So that incredible. It, it'll be great to, to see them. Um, I actually think Egypt, as a footballing country, and I'm speaking more from a, a recruitment side here, I think it's slept on a little bit. Um, I think there's talent in there and, and guys like Mo Salah prove that. Um, so yeah, I'll be curious to see what this World Cup does for um, those kind of players and, and those that maybe want to try and uh, get a, a route out of Egyptian football. I think Higazi is a good example, the guy who just signed for West Brom. He's looked really solid um, since uh, since joined on loan. Yeah. Um- it's, it's been fascinating and obviously I had a conversation with someone the other day who was talking about all of the previous Egyptians in the Premier League I mean you got Mido um, there was another much smaller player I he played for Wigan for a little I can't remember what his name was though Mami Zaki Zaki yeah Zaki was a great player yeah there's him there's, there's obviously yeah, Mido as you touched on Hossam Ghali um, oh yeah, was was at Tottenham and, and that famous derby side that went down with a record low points. He was a decent midfielder. He just his head was played uh, alongside probably Savage. Rewired. Uh, um, there was that as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, there's been a, there's been a decent list. Um, who's your best underrated Egyptian? Maybe even Mo Salah can fit into that. Um, did you see Chris and the the pictures this week of? all of the Brazil players wearing uh, oxygen masks after they played in... Oh, one, I can't remember which country it was. It was somewhere in South Bolivia. American qualifying. Uh, Bolivia, yes. Allegedly the worst place to go and play football in the world if you're a professional footballer, obviously. Beautiful place, I'm told, but very high up and therefore much less oxygen. Uh, Neymar said it was hell. Yeah, it uh, it really does take it out of the lungs, um, and I, I've seen the photograph because I, I tweeted about it on the the front three account. Um, 
so yeah i mean that's that's the funny thing i i have been doing um some accumulator work for for betbull kind of trying to predict stuff and win some money for for people that are wise and or stupid enough to follow me and one of the most obvious bets of last week was brazil to win by a goal or draw because yeah it it absolutely takes out your lungs and if you watch that game not realizing where it was you would question why brazil was so lackadaisical but it wasn't that at all they were being very conscious to conserve energy And, and that's why even though bolivia have in the last few years been I would say fairly consistently beaten away from home. I mean, they, they were not a good side in the Copa America Centenario. Yet, when you look at that home record, you think, crikey, they must really get up for it. It's it's not that at all. It's um, it's purely, I don't know the correct term for geographical uh, advantages that, um, that benefit them. This one comes from uh, Jushin Thunderlager, real name. Um, is Casemiro the best defensive midfielder currently playing in football? Chris, yes or no? It's difficult to think of a better, more informed player, at least. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah, on, on current form, definitely, and um, and that's that's one of the greatest aspects of Zidane is that he was self-aware enough to realise the need for a player like that. Yeah, although you would say that, um, that Benitez implemented him and Zidane picked him up. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, as often happens with Rafa Benitez's sides. Um, I look forward to Alan Pardew returning to Newcastle and taking all the credit at some point. Uh, who was better in their prime? This is coming off the back of that. Alonso, Pirlo, Mark Van Bommel. Alonso. Um, it's, it's the clear answer. But Chris, uh, but who was, who was better in their prime for you? Alonso, Pirlo or Mark Van Bommel? Yeah, Alonso. Van Bommel's a bit of a weird one in that. With the greatest of respect to him as a, as a player and everything, but like, he looks at... It's one of the, it's a little bit one of those was, things is not like the other. He was definitely dominant. He was a, a more of a high end journeyman than anything else, and definitely much more of a midfield destroyer than Alonso or Pirlo. Yeah, was. it was was more ag- more aggressive, whereas as Pirlo and uh, and Jabi were were kind of what's the Italian term? Registers, sort of film directors, if you will. In a way, I mean, yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, what, yeah I suppose Jabi Alonso is an interesting one, really. Um, Maybe he became that. I mean, you know Alonso's pretty much better than I, but I was watching some of his buying stuff the other night um, just because, and he did, he seemed incredibly deep and, and orchestrating rather yeah. than kind of more advanced. Definitely, again, I always go back to the old phrase and, you know, sort of something which not many of the stats go for, but especially considering that Pillow retired over the last few days, he was, he was a fantastic player, but... Um, maybe underappreciated for many years, especially in a fantastic AC Milan team and other incredible sides that he was part of. Um, Alonso was lucky to have the career he had, but then also shepherded play so often. And you can't really judge that, or there aren't many prominent stats that judge that. Um, So I'll be interested to see um, the way that that goes. Um, Let us know on on Twitter, guys, uh, what you think the best in their prime central midfielder so who sort of six deep in the world was there's a lot of options there um not least uh, maybe a, a partnership of alonso mascherano they were fantastic busquets definitely gets in there as well but he's not the same sort of player um there are a lot of fantastic players from that position um not a not a question but statman dave should have to wear full man city kit at a man united game for the zlatan thing Get it over with, uh, said Ryan Jenkins. To right, Ryan, uh, keep on tweeting 
your suggestions uh, for what Dave should have to do. I'll be interested to see what you guys want him to do. And there's definitely something he should have to do. Uh, why do you We've think... We've been the- trying to get the saddle on the horse. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, uh, uh, yeah. He's got to take ownership at this point. Yeah, he's, and to be fair, uh, there's a lot going on uh, in his life in terms of training things. Uh, but Dave is very good at dodging. Uh, why do you think the quality of leagues like La Liga and Serie A so much better than the Premier League? Um, is, that, is that necessarily true? I mean, you know, if you look through the quality of each of those leagues, there, there are some fantastic players in there and some great teams, but I don't think it's necessarily a better quality league than the, than the Premier League. No, I, th- I think... I still think it's horses for courses. I, st- I still do believe that Yes, you crown a, a champion of Europe every season. I get that, and that's that's totally fair. But I don't think that when it comes to those little clutch of top European leagues, there really is one that's markably better. I would say, look, between the Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, and the Bundesliga, I'd say it's much of a muchness. Personally, I would maybe put France just underneath there. But even then, again, much of a muchness. I don't. I don't think there's this clear superior. Otherwise, you would have the kind of dominance in Europe that um, that we just don't see. Whereas the last few years, I think it's it's been spread out, admittedly, amongst a few different countries. Mido says, can we stop with the Ballon d'Or? Uh, Mido, I'm not a million miles away from the way you feel about that. Um, is Kane or Lukaku world class? Oh, okay. yeah. I feel like Lukaku is, uh, is. Do you think Kane is as well, Chris? Yeah, the the race going right now. Yeah, I th- I mean that's uh, that's again. I think uh, that's another one of those debates where it it just seems so arbitrary to me in terms of it, t- does it change him drastically if he's now deemed world class as opposed to not? I, Good point. I think he's he's an elite level striker. That's that's all you have and can say is that he is a highly performing striker that at this present moment would improve almost any team that he was put into. This one comes from Karen Karras, and he says, uh, this one's to everyone, so just you and me, Chris. Um, what is your favourite match you've watched live? I think that means you've got to have been there. Uh, see, I probably I probably would have said... Um, there was a, a Newcastle game where they beat Chelsea in the last minute that was alright but then I think prior to that I probably would have said the last game of last season where they won the title yeah that was pretty incredible um, wasn't it yeah because it's the it's the, the last minute nature of it and, and the fact that even with all the technology and everything the players couldn't find out so it was up to the the crowd to kind of inform them um, <laughs> so yeah it was, it was quite fun the, the crowd and uh, yeah that is interesting I suppose yeah, there there are the um, there was a great story told by who was it? It might have been even Alan Shearer on the podcast where he speaks about staying up or no, not staying up, maybe winning the ti- sorry, winning the title. Yeah, with Blackburn, and he finds out that United have uh, not won against West Ham, and they find out from the murmurings around the stadium, and they and yeah. also seeing Kenny Dalglish hugging Ray Harford. I think he would be on the halfway yeah halfway line. Um, what is the strangest place you have had to retrieve a football from when you were a kid? Thanks, uh, Charles Antonidis. Uh, it's a good question. Charles is a good guy, by the way. Um, mm, uh, I suppose I'll I so, kick a lot of football. Go, go ahead, Chris. 
in Thailand, right? There's these bars you can go to. Yeah. Uh, no, the 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 weirdest place. Uh, I've never seen the football like that, but all right. Um, it hit the back wall. It was really impressive. Sure, it did, mate. Uh, actually, I used to my old my old house when I was a kid. Used to back onto a, a large wood, um, and it was it was a kind of steep drop actually um, down into it. So yeah, that's probably the weirdest place. Uh I've definitely had to go into Nettles before to get a football. Um, we used to have... We used to sort of go to a... I guess, like you say, Chris, it tends to be a forest you have to retrieve it from. It sounds a lot creepier if you've watched the film It. Um, yeah, forest, water. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. It's all forest. I mean, we used to have a river running through the middle of our park and we lost a fair few footballs in the river. Because you, you just don't get a football back once it's in the river. Uh, oh, actually, I was, I was talking about this with my dad the other day. At the end of our garden, there was a little section where if you kicked it into the neighbor's garden, you would have to get in and get out really quickly because there was a dog that would come over. Um, oh, God. And the dog would... The, the problem was, if you didn't get in and get out in that time, then you'd have attracted the attention of the dog that would then know there was a ball there, whereas it wouldn't necessarily always see the ball was landing. So you could sort of have a bit of time and I definitely lost uh, a World Cup I, I lost a, I think a World Cup ball from 1998 no but it was a, it was a country uh, it was a ball about the World Cup not the World Cup ball oh, it, was a, okay. it was a ball about the World Cup where they had all the world's flags on and it was a really good a really great ball um, but I lost it um, to a dog um, it was sad at the time um, good question thank you very much Charles I would look for more like that um, where else have I had to retrieve a ball from definitely on holiday just you know getting a football from places is tricky um, what do you make of Pochettino's influence on developing English players for the national team does it bring a glimmer of hope for the future Chris yeah, there was some mad stuff. I think it was on uh, Euro Football Daily or, what, or whatever it's called about how he's had a role Thanks. in something like the the last uh, something to do like the last dozen or so uh, England debutants or, or something like that. Um, I th- I think look, any time a coach is helping with that, that's great. And I've already said fairly recently that the struggle for him is matching or. or maintaining that development alongside trying to win something um, I thought Harry Winks looked good the other night uh, I think yeah it's slightly disheartening that it's not um, English coaches doing it um, just because you know an added incentive in there I think maybe that's highlights that frailty with the system um, mm. but I, th- I think it more points to him showing faith in players that he knows can do it I don't think he's doing it for some um principled reason like oh I want to help the national team out it's because he believes they're good enough and, and trust them and maybe that is a lesson that we need to learn Gabriel Cesar says uh, should Spalletti receive greater recognition currently joint second with Inter after leading Roma to their highest points joint joint points total this season uh, not to mention he introduced the false nine system with Totti before Guardiola in- implemented it at Barcelona Guardiola gets all the credit. There is actually, a, there's a lot of uh, argument going on very often in Italy as to whether 
Guardiola is just a rip off of those a lot of the systems that they created but that's another conversation Spalletti Chris should he receive greater recognition I mean possibly so yeah when, when you consider that uh, Ventura is in charge of the national team and making an absolute mess of it and you've got a coach that's that good sitting on your doorstep albeit in work it's uh, imagine it's infuriating being an Italy fan at the minute <laughs> No, it's a very good point, yeah, and, and obviously everything that goes on. Uh, although uh, Italian coaches, and Conte is one of those, are able to enter that uh, expertise area at any point they want. And I'd imagine they're quite uh, welcomed as well. There is a lot going on, especially at Covacano and um, a couple of other places in Italy right now to try and progress where Italian football and then therefore wider football is going. Chris, I'm going to finish on this question. This comes from Ban- Brandon Westside. He says... Who do you think is going to win MLS Cup? Oh, Craigie. Uh, Sorry, I thought it would be a good one to finish on, but... Um. No, no, it is. It's, it's, you know, the funny thing is, it's... Um, I guess you could say it mirrors the Premier League in a little ways because the, the team that starts the greatest does not always carry that through. Um, so, like, you look at Seattle, who won it last year. They were... I was going to swear, they, they were very bad. Um, and you can say shit if you want that is alright um, so I don't think you'll have that sort of what's the word I'm looking for here that that late surge like this this time last year I think the teams are a lot more consistent um, in their play I thought about the Red Bulls as a dark horse but I'd really like it if Atlanta won I'm not going to lie because they've played some oh, brilliant stuff this year if I'm if I've always got if I've ever got a choice between a game and an Atlanta game, I'll usually stick the Atlanta game on because you know it's going to be wow. entertaining. Okay, interesting stuff. Um, I'm all, I'm also interested to know, Chris, have you picked an NBA team for this season? I've uh, I have decided to to remain loyal to my misses and I've gone for the New York Knicks, which is wow, I'm rapidly that's... learning is not the the wisest of ideas. Yeah, especially not, especially brave this season. They do not look great. Uh, Carmelo's gone. I mean, Porzingis is still there, but. It's tricky for you guys. They've got, they've got Cantor, haven't they? And Ennis Cantor. Yeah, good luck. And some Tim Hardaway Jr., he, he's back. <laughs> That's usually a good sign. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly uh, encouraging. <laughs> so good, we're brought him back. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it's encouraging for you guys. Um, yeah, looks good. I'll put it that way. Uh, for certain teams in the league, uh, Cavs look fantastic this year. They've got a great lineup. Um, not a Cavs fan, though. I'm a Spurs fan ordered my authentic jersey today hopefully that arrives soon um looking forward to seeing uh, there is something that's quite good about the jerseys this year in the nba though chris you can put your phone to the logo or the the sort of there's like a little i don't know i guess a registration bit on it like you know where you sort of see the sizing it tends to be on the sort of left hip of most american sports teams um and you put your phone to it and it has NFC and you can catch up with all the latest goings on with your team. I was quite impressed with that. I couldn't understand. I can't understand why the NBA seems so far ahead of the Premier League. Um, Maybe control of their own stuff. I suppose NBA is sort of quite independent. Possibly need as well, you know. Like that's the thing. As popular as basketball is, it's always trying to get an extra dollar from the NFL and less so the NHL. But you know what I mean? There's, there's always like a competition. Whereas I think the Premier League, like even if they lost a significant amount for TV money tomorrow, I, I don't think they'd be that disappointing because they still know they're getting an insane amount. You're saying it'd be good if cricket was stronger. 
Yeah, that's 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 the long and short of it. Until until bowling picks up, you know, we're uh, we're never going to be at the forefront of technology. Let us know who you guys are going to be supporting this NBA season. Maybe who you've got in NFL. I've started to wear a, a few NFL jerseys around town. I've got a Jets jersey. I think I've got like an, a, a couple of mixed jerseys, actually. I, I used to have a Giants jersey, so people probably think that's the worst thing I could do. Um, and then I also recently started wearing um, a an Oakland Raiders jersey as well and a lot of people very passionate for, the, for Oakland Raiders uh, I found out uh, a lot of just walking around town and people being like hey man nice jersey um, so hey it's looking good uh, still looking for a Colin Kaepernick jersey though so if anyone's got one let me know uh, anyway it's been good to have you guys on the show today with us thank you very much for listening um dave and adam will be back later in the week although actually maybe adam won't because he might be away in florida but dave will be back later in the week uh, as will nico uh, and if you guys want to submit your questions for later in the week and obviously the weekend preview that we have to put together for the weekend uh, which comes out on thursday we'd love to hear your questions and of course your previews for the weekend you can join us on fan league as well uh, through that I think there's a link in the description below you can join our league I think it's not limited to 100 people anymore so it's now wide open to you um, and you can still win money there it'd be fantastic if you could join us over there um, fan league's looking good um, and Chris if people want to go read what you've been writing over the international break what, what's the most recent thing you, you've churned out uh, I actually did something on the shifting of Premier League fixtures near Christmas and what it says about uh, opinions on fans good okay I like that um, we haven't even spoken about the Wembley Cup but the Wembley Cup happened um, on the weekend as well that was good did you enjoy it? I, I did actually yeah it was really nice um, it was good to commentate on it it was good to be there um, made for a really good occasion again I sort of put the argument forward that uh, YouTube football is not necessarily about the quality of football played though it was a good quality especially when you match up two teams of a similar um, level um, the legends massively made a difference Gerard was incredible to watch and again you sort of see the difference between someone of Stephen Gerrard's standard and you know people who didn't play for years in the Premier League um, I'm looking at you Mr Savage um, although Robbie Savage was also very good so I, I guess that's what was interesting when I, I was taking a lot of digs at him pre-game um, and obviously he's been called a wet salad by certain uh, great people within our friendship group uh, who were fully correct but he did well uh, and I've got to admit he impressed me with what he did so mind you so did William yeah. Gallas and he's not really been trying for quite some time so um, yeah and the, obviously the most impressive guy of all of them uh, Jimmy Conrad was very impressive uh, ran that defensive back line for hashtag United at times uh, I was very impressed you watched as well Chris you, did you did you enjoy it did you enjoy the game I did um, I thought that uh, our predictions were, were fairly accurate in that regard. The, the oh, team yeah. with a bit more organisation um, got stronger as the game went on, which I think is is, is fairly understandable. Um, I think for me next year, assuming it goes on next year, uh, it becomes quite an interesting proposition because you know uh, you will see a team I would imagine in, in the F2 or whatever they evolve into next in terms of a name that has F2, played F2. together at some point um, they'll have a bit more understanding I imagine they'll they'll maybe uh, 
you know, maybe pick more of a squad in terms of can you get there, you know, all that kind of stuff. There'll be a lot more. Forethought sounds like the wrong word to me, but there'll be a lot more preparation given to them. Yeah. Um, and I think for me that is uh, that's that's where it becomes an interesting proposition. Yeah, I agree. It was a good match anyway. Wembley was fantastic. Really great occasion. Fantastic to commentate on it. Uh, meet all those guys and just have a good time. Um, some genuine down-to-earth guys within that group. Um, and it's fantastic to see some of them out there playing at Wembley, living their dreams. I wish I could do that as well someday. Um, it would be excellent to play at Wembley. A bigger dream even to play at Anfield, obviously. Um, but it's, you know, all, all, all in good time. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Let us know uh, the opinions on you know who, who you're picking for the NBA season, uh, who you think the greatest defensive midfielder is, um, whether you watched the Wembley Cup, whether it uh, held your interest, uh, and we'll discuss it all on Thursday's pod when we'll be bringing back some of your comments back to us and, of course, your questions you're putting in with the hashtag I am the whole. In the meantime, uh, enjoy the other podcasts you listen to. Football Ramble's good. Uh, totally Football is not bad. Um... Is there any other good football podcast? Uh, the the what's show that of John, uh, a team of John O'Shea's is good. What's that one that Marcus has just launched? Oh, on, uh, the, continent. on the continent, really good. That's, yeah, yeah, that's that's I enjoy that. Yeah, that is. And good then one. like a bunch of non-football related ones as well. And that puts us to shame. Uh, anyway, uh, let us know what your favourite football podcast is as well. Apart from the front three, great podcast. And um, we'll see you again real soon, right here on the front three.